Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Daniel Smith, candidate for leadership of the Alberta UCP and by extension premier for the province, joins us. How are you, Daniel? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Roy. Yeah, good to talk to you again. So let's get right at it. The Sovereignty Act you're proposing. Explain it, please, to the rest of the country and to Albertans who may be a little bit still vague about it. What's it about? You know, it's, fu- it's funny, as I was listening to the interview you did with Scott Moe a few weeks ago, I sent it around to my team and said, my gosh, it sounds like Premier Moe is going to pass the Saskatchewan Sovereignty Act just like I want to, because he's talking in very much the same terms that I am. I, th- I think what's happened in the West is that we uh, we allowed the federal government to help us out in a lot of areas of our jurisdiction over the years. And maybe it was because we were low population, maybe we had smaller economies, maybe we thought they had our best interests at heart. But as we've grown in stature, in wealth, in capability, I think we're just wanting to see a return to the way the country was supposed to be governed, where the federal government has sovereign areas of jurisdiction defined by Section 91 of the Constitution, and Alberta has uh, and other provinces have sovereign areas of jurisdiction as, de- as defined by Sections 92 through 95, and there's some areas of concurrent. But we were never devised as a country to have provinces be subordinate levels of government. We've acted like it, sadly, in Alberta for too long, and we're just putting the rest of the country on notice that uh, we intend to assert our rights in the same way that Quebec has asserted its rights, in the same way Saskatchewan talks about being a nation within a nation, because that's the way we think our founders intended our country to work. Yeah, Premier Mo did say that on this program, nation within a nation, that's what he wants for the province. However, so how would it work then? So the federal government, Mr. Trudeau, and uh, whether it's his energy minister or his environment minister, decides that they're going to enact some legislation or some policy that you as premier of the province of Alberta would not agree with, would feel that it would contravene the Sovereignty Act. What would you do? Well, here's a couple of examples. Like when the federal government passed the Emergencies Act, which I think everyone now sees was illegitimate to do, the Quebec National Assembly, which is what they call their provincial legislature, convened and said, we won't enforce it. That's a, that's one example where they made a judgment that the federal government had gone too far and would not enforce it in their area of jurisdiction. I look at what has happened in British Columbia, as a for instance, they're taking a pretty novel approach in dealing with hard drugs, and they have a an exemption from the Controlled Drugs and Substances Act, so you can possess and use hard drugs without uh, falling afoul of the criminal code. Um, and I think you also see with Scott Moe and the interview you did with him a few weeks ago, he said if the feds come through with a 30% reduction in fertilizer use, we won't enforce that. Yes, Agriculture is a Section 95 right for the, the provinces. We're supposed to take the, the principal lead on that. So I think that we've, even just in recent history, seen some evidence and examples of how provinces are already exercising that. And, and I guess in point of fact, you could say, well, you don't really need to have a Sovereignty Act then to do all of those things, since the provinces have the capacity to do it anyway. But I think if you're going to change the relationship with the rest of the country, and you're going to say, hey, look, we have all these areas that we know that you have invested in, developed programs in, developed policy, and we're going to take that back. We're going to repatriate that. I think it's I think it's respectful to put everyone on notice that the relationship is going to change. And so the Sovereignty Act would essentially be exactly that. It would say, we have these constitutional rights as defined by these sections. Here they are. We have the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, which we are obligated to protect the rights and freedoms of our citizens. We are signatory to the Charter. We're going to enforce that. And we have our own Alberta Human Rights Code, and we're going to make sure that we enforce that as well. And any federal legislation that contravenes these areas that we have 
a constitutional right to defend. We just won't enforce. That's that's the way I intend for it to to be enacted. I'm not wanting to invade federal jurisdiction. I mean, the federal government has power over money printing and international trade deals, national defense, weights and measures. I'm not suggesting that we would take over any federal jurisdiction. You can hear me laughing, right? Well, I know, but I mean, when I, you said I they have actually, jurisdiction I, over money printing, that's a good it's one. Very, it that's was very a good funny because we did have a we did have a premier who wanted <laughs> to print his one, own yeah. currency once. That's why I wanted to make it clear that we're not planning on doing that. And when I mentioned to a friend, it's not like we'll take over weights and measures. I, one of my friends said, "Well, I want to return to the imperial system." Me too. No, we're not going to do that either. But All I right. do recognize that there is there are clear lines, and uh, unfortunately, the federal government doesn't respect those clear lines. So we're just going to draw it in a big bright line for them so that they know that uh, we're, we've got to change the relationship. So you've uh, called Mr. Kenny the acting premier. Interesting. But Mr. Kenny claimed on, uh, you know, the Alberta Chorus radio stations that the Sovereignty Act, and I won't do the whole interview on the Sovereignty Act, but it's what people are talking about, that that act would make Alberta a laughing stock. Not everybody's heard your response. What do you say to the rest of the country paying attention now? Well, I think that the the premier should not be so partisan. Um, his job as an interim caretaker leader as well is to make sure he's not interfering in, in the race to tip the scales for his preferred candidate. And I, I know that there are a number of his caucus uh, colleagues who are upset that he's weighed in, uh, appearing to interfere. And I just hope he doesn't do that again, because it's not the role for him to have right now. And the way I've described the bill, um, I think people should just wait until we've written it and brought it forward. We have lawyers who who will who will vet it. We will talk with constitutional experts. We will make sure that it uh, complies with the law. I think I think what people don't understand is it's the federal government who's breaking the law right now. It's the federal government that's not respecting the foundational document, the Constitution. It's the federal government who keeps on driving in our lane and then making us go to court to, to try to push them back out again. And so if the federal government act in a lawful way and and stayed within its own jurisdiction, I don't think we'll have any, any future problems. But I, I think they need to know that Albertans have had it because we have had too many projects cancelled. We had the Northern Gateway Project, Energy East, the Keystone XL ca- uh, pipeline got cancelled. They didn't have a, a word of uh, of uh, of support for that. Frontier Tech Mine, another major multi-billion-dollar oil sands project, couldn't see the way through the f- to the finish line because of so much federal meddling in the regulatory process. It, it goes uh, the, the cancellation of the LNG at Port Saguenay. It just goes on and on. And when you have tens of billions of dollars being chased out of our province because of federal meddling, we have to create a greater environment for investment certainty. Mm-hmm. We must do that now. It's and the way we do it is by taking the lead again. So, Danielle, emails from listeners on this point, quite a few. Former leader of Wild Rose, who led a number of caucus members across the floor of the Alberta legislature to join Jim Prentice and the progressive conservatives. Some listeners who sent me emails said, they they will never forgive you for taking that action. What do you say to those people, residents of Alberta? You know, I I've never s- spent a moment thinking about uh, about federal level of office. That's how much I love my own province and why I think it's so important that we have somebody who will put Alberta first in changing the relationship. And so when I go back on what happened in in 2014, it seemed to me from where I was looking, and you do get dome disease. It seemed to me the public appetite 
was shifting towards unity. I mean, Jim Prentice had come back to try to fix things. The He was rising in the polls. He'd won for, for by-elections. And we'd seen mergers that had happened before. I, I misjudged. I, I thought people were ready for a unity conversation, obviously much sooner than they were. And as a result, I lost my nomination. Jim lost the election. We ended up with four years of Rachel Notley as, as premier. But I think when you look at the environment that we're in today, there is virtually no one who would say that if without the conservative movement could split or should split and still be able to win. I think when you look at not at Notley's NDP, they've maintained about 40 percent support in every poll I've seen. If this if this unity movement busts apart again, she will form government. And so I'm mindful of the fact that the same pressures that caused Wild Rose to be created in the first place, they'd come back because our, our rural environment doesn't feel respected. They don't feel we stood up to Ottawa. They don't like some of the draconian measures taken during COVID. And I felt like I could be a voice in, in keeping that party unified and bringing things together. I, I recognize some people will not accept that um, that I was an early adopter of unity, but I'm back in because I believe so much in the UCP as an entity. I was cheering Brian Jean and Jason Kenney along as they brought it together. And if I can do my part to keep it together, I think I think I ought to. I think that's, that's a role I need to play. So if we look at the UCP, we look at the party itself. There's some very strong people and determined people who are contesting the leadership with you. Do you believe that you're in a position now, and will be in a position if you were to win, that you can generate and assure yourself of their support of Daniel Smith as Premier of Alberta? I, I, I really appreciate all the candidates who are running in this race. We've got such a deep talent pool, really. And even among our, our caucus members who have gotten a chance to know over the, the last number of years, I, I think we have an incredibly talented team. And there's a little bit of frothiness that happens during a leadership race. People are vying for, um, for the top job. They're demonstrating contrast of why they'd be better than the other. Um, and I, I think that all of that is just to be expected in a leadership race. I, I think those things can, can be overcome. And I, I know that every single one of them would make excellent cabinet ministers. Um, but I, I believe that I, I have the ability to, to take on Ottawa in a way that I, I just don't think they will be able to. I've been an opposition leader before. People know how that I know how to get tough when I need to get tough. Um, and I far prefer fighting liberals than fighting my, my fellow colleagues in the conservative movement. So people will have to make their choice based on the, the what they think is the biggest priority. But I think resetting this relationship with Ottawa is the most important priority. And I think that's, that's why um, people have, have been flocking to my campaign. So let's talk about this a bit more, resetting the relationship with Ottawa. It was no accident that I played the Scott Moe clips before we introduced you, and uh, and Mr. Moe was very, very clear about what his intentions are. Do you see the possibility, and constitutional change is extremely different, difficult in this country, but do you see an, uh, a possibility of an Alberta-Saskatchewan alliance on natural gas and oil, also the agri-sector, where the two provinces might stand together against Ottawa, if necessary, and possibly provincial governments as well. I would add Manitoba to the the partnership that you're talking about and our First Nations as well. And one of the things that I think would be the most important demonstration of that would be creating an economic corridor that stretches all the way from the Fort McMurray oil sands all the way to, to Churchill so that we would be able to create a new line for export, not only of our natural gas and, and oil resources, but also have transmission lines come back the other way so that we can integrate 
uh, Manitoba hydropower into our system, have a rail line so that we can have more products transported to the coast for export, whether it's forestry or agri or the agriculture sector, and also work in partnership with our First Nations on economic reconciliation. And to me, we've been talking about these things since the 1930s. It was Ernest Manning who first raised them. Federal government clearly isn't going to take the lead on that. So I believe that we can work collaboratively with all the partners who have a similar interest to do exactly that. I, I wish the federal government had more of an interest in those kind of nation building exercises. But if they don't, that doesn't mean that we, we can't act in concert with each other in our, our mutual benefit. That ha happens to be another area of constitutional jurisdiction for provinces is the right to be able to get their their products to export markets. So I, I think that we would have good standing there. And from what I've heard of, of Premier Mo, he sounds like he's in alignment with us. And I, I bet if we build a partnership with Manitoba, that we would be able to build that partnership with them too. I hear you saying, and tell me if I'm wrong, but I hear you saying that you believe that a, if you will, a power block, Western Canadian power block is necessary to counter at least the current government in Ottawa. Com completely. And even when there is an, a new government, uh, if, it, if it becomes a conservative government, I think we have to realize that everybody thought that Stephen Harper was going to solve all our problems in the West when he was first elected in 2008. He was an original signatory to that firewall letter talking about some of the things that I am, collecting our income tax and our pension and our police service and and those those kinds of areas but we never saw any action on that i think the federal level of government just has different priorities and it, it goes to the point that we we really do have an obligation to our people in our provinces to be exercising our, our constitutional jurisdiction and and be looking out for our provincial interests first so i don't think that it's inconsistent um, with uh, the way our constitution is, is written, nor do I think that we take our foot off the gas if there happens to be a change of government too. Because the problem, the country's changing. When, when we first established in 1867, there was very small population and small economies out West. Look at British Columbia now, five and a half million people. We're four and a half million people. Um, we've got powerhouses for various resource development in both Saskatchewan and Manitoba. And so there is a, a changing balance that's happening in the country just by the nature of how we've grown. And when that changing balance happens, eventually we'll have to have the conversation. When we are either the same size or larger than Quebec and have a bigger economy, is it really fair that they continue to get 24 Senate seats and we only get six? Or that they get a guarantee of appointing three people to the Supreme Court uh, out of nine and we get none? Or they get guaranteed House of Commons seats and we don't? So we're not quite at that point yet where we need to have those really foundational constitutional discussions. But I can see just from our own trajectory that we're on for economic growth and population growth, it's going to have to happen. And so that's why we're asserting ourselves now. We've been acting like a junior player in Confederation for too long. And we've got to, we've got to start acting like a senior partner if we're going to be treated as that. So that's, that's the beginning of the change in the okay. relationship. And I think it's going to be very positive for the country, quite frankly, I have new partnerships. I have literally 45 seconds here. What does the rest of the country need to know about Alberta and maybe changes in the province of Alberta? Because everybody in Canada has an opinion about Alberta. You know, I think we've tried to be constructive. We, we've tried to um, bring people on board, uh, understanding that we want to continue developing our resources and be responsible on the environment. We just keep getting the door slammed in our face. And, you know, that's fine. We had an equalization referendum to try to start a conversation about changing the relationship to get more respect. And the federal government gave us uh, Stephen Gilbo, who has now been launching attack after attack after attack on our industry. So that's our answer. And that just means that you shouldn't that the rest of the country shouldn't be surprised when we decide that uh, that we're going to, to work with those partners that, that we feel have our interests 
at heart, and I think it's going to be very constructive. And I, I hope that the that the federal government responds by respecting us in the same way that they uh, clearly respect Quebec, because that's all we're asking for. Let's just be treated the same way. You must have been radio. You timed that perfectly. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Roy. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.